0: Co-worker of yours.
3: And welcome in to 610 Sports Radio, Dusty Likens with you, Colin Settle as well, producing this thing as we are here from 6 to 9 p.m little bit of news. It feels great to be in a studio. The last three weeks, every show I've done has been live in St. Joe. I appreciate everyone that listened. Really, I do. Um, but man, I get it. Camp is uh, camp is brutal. Like it is hot out there, but I mean, it's it's obviously the summer in the Midwest, so I can't wait for for people on the text line nine one three five eight six seven six ten grow up. Tough it up, man. We've been doing this for a while now. It's Missouri. It's August. It's July. You know what it is. Yeah. Well, not everybody has to sit outside for four hours and just not move. I mean, I don't sit down when I'm out there. I stand up and walk around like a crazy person. But that's just kind of how I do it on site. I just can't. I can't necessarily sit down and uh, and just focus the entire time when there's two different types of practices happening and then there's fans. Uh, all around you. So, I mean, it's uh, it's nice to be back in a studio. It's nice to be talking to you uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, obviously, a lot of Chiefs will be involved in this conversation as we are officially in the first week of the preseason. Uh, Chiefs will play Saturday at noon against the Chicago. But I'm still kind of, like, confused by that. Like, it's still kind of interesting to see a preseason game being played at noon on a Saturday. Totally for it. Uh, would love it if they played, like, all three preseason. Actually, would love it more if they'd play two preseason games, have a week off, and then start football. But I'll settle with three preseason games, a week off, and then we're headed into the regular season. But nonetheless, September 11th, first game of the year, almost just a month away, preseason game number one on Saturday at noon against De Uh I don't know what we're going to get, right? Just going to be like a, a drive by Patrick Mahomes and, and company, and then off the field and then we'll see the, the backups. We'll see the second strings. We'll see the running backs get involved. We'll see who's going to be the, the guy that gets all the hype um, for the first preseason game. But nonetheless, football is back, man. Like you can't, can't deny that. I think it was last Sunday was the last Sunday until February 18th um, with any sort of non-football games being played. So, in reality, buckle up. Football's not going anywhere until February 18th, which a lot of people would love to see that. But one thing, um, one thing that I really want to focus on before I dive into some more Chief stuff is something that we've kind of been pushing. I say we, for those of you that have tagged along on Saturdays, uh, Saturdays with myself, Dusty Likens, 10 to noon on 610 Sports Radio. For those of you that have tagged along and those of you that have listened, I mean, you're the best Uh, for those of you that don't sorry. But one thing that we have coined uh, the entire season since pre June was let the kids play. Right. And now, which was awesome to see this weekend. Right. And then you get an off day, right. When you're, your peak kind of interested back into the Royals baseball team, they get an off day and then they get a, Doubleheader tomorrow against the Chicago White Sox. 1 o'clock game on Thursday against Chicago. And then the Dodgers are in town Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I think what's interesting is that now that there are new kids on the block and you're seeing the type of team that this team can be, it's a different type of vibe, right? So since Carlos Santana got traded on June 27th, the Royals are 17-19. and So since they got rid of that guy who they should have never had on their roster since the beginning of the season, but for some reason he was, they've been 17 and 19. Now I know that number doesn't really stick out. as like, Oh my God. But I mean, that's two games under 500. They'd be right in the mix of the AL central. Since that trip to Toronto, where we saw a lot of like, you know, different sides of the fan base come out. And a lot of people, we saw the, you know, the Eaton home run, and he's he's talking to Joel Goldberg at the end of the game saying, hey, here's the deal. I didn't hear anything or see anything except my mom cheering for me when I hit my first big league hit that just happened to be a home run in the Raji's center. And you felt that, like, push, right? You knew there was still some unfinished business to steal something from the movie Casper and show my age, but... You knew there was still some unfinished business with this roster, but you knew at the time that that was a small peak and a small glimpse of what like the future was going to be with the kids on the roster. Prado was there. uh, Eaton was there. Nicky Lopez was kind of the voice. He said it felt like an unselfish win. Since that trip to Toronto, the Royals are nine and 12. Now they got, you know, kind of beat by the Yankees. Not kind of, they did get beat by the Yankees three out of four and, One of the games was a blowout, but out of those four games, three of them were somewhat competitive. And the notion and the narrative that we were pushing with letting the kids play is, I don't care if you lose 85 games with this roster. Let these kids get some experience. Let these kids kind of win the fan base over. Let them play to see if it's competitive. You know, the first game against the Yankees, Judge hits a walk-off home run against Scott Barlow. I mean, it's your best in the pen, Versus the best in the baseball organization. Home run. Next night, same thing. Eighth inning, three-run home run uh, from Aaron Jones. And it was kind of just like, that's one of those things where at the end of the day, when Aaron or when Aaron Judge hits uh, the MVP award, you're going to be like, yeah, that guy deserved it. He single-handedly beat us two games in a row. Then there was a blowout, and then there was the win. So three out of four games competitive against the best team in baseball. And now it's fun. Not just fun for you because you get to watch what the future is of this Royals franchise, but it's fun for you because you get to see the personalities leak out. And and when Mike Matheny talked to Binkley and I, when we filled in for, for uh, Fesco and Kling, Matheny had said that there was no vocal leadership in the locker room. And now it seems like it's everybody is is playing for everybody. In fact, I think Sunday uh, there was video that leaked out on Twitter of Vinny Pasquantino holding up uh, Nikki Lopez when they did like the Simba thing where you hold your kid up for the Jumbotron and Pasquantino was trying to hold up Nikki Lopez and they didn't get on the TV and then they tweet after the game. I think we were robbed. New leadership and fun leadership creates a winning mentality a Woody mentality that was there and started with a guy that was in town this weekend, which I found quite coincidental because a lot of people have reached out to me and a lot of people have tweeted or texted or something of some sort and said, I get a lot of 2012, 2013 vibes with this current roster. Fair, right? Like Hosmer and Perez and Moustakis and Escobar and Kane all kind of coming together and creating what was eventually, two years later, a World Series run and then a World Series win. Now, I don't know what the future holds for this team. Um, You know, I don't know where this team can go in two years, but I know whatever it is, I'm ready for it. Because that's the type of team you want to see. And I thought it was coincidental because Hosmer was in town this weekend. Which, by the way, interesting question. Is Hosmer the third... Greatest slash liked Royal and Royals history. I mean, nobody touches George, right? Brett's untouchable. I think two is Salvador Perez. And I'll listen to people that want to say Frank white for number three. Now let's not have an opinion on Frank white for who he is as a politician, just for like who he was as a teammate and like a Royals team member, right? Like eight time gold glove winner, fantastic second baseman, But when I saw the ovations that Hosmer got every single time he came to the plate, back-to-back nights, he got a curtain call or a standing ovation when he got to home plate, back-to-back nights, playing for Boston. And again, Kane, same thing when he came in town for Milwaukee. I think Kane's a top five Royal of all time. And again, I'm not trying to live in the now. I'm trying to get all throughout. But I think Hosmer is, you know, more liked and probably respected than, I don't know, a split um more respected than, you know, maybe like a Willie Wilson and Amos Otis, you know, guys like that. I think Hosmer is above. And I know that I'm a younger, you know, generational style of, of perspective. But when Hosmer was here, nobody was hotter on the planet than Hosmer. Like we remember the story of they went to the Bieber concert and Alex Gordon, like, Greg Holland and all those guys like forced Hosmer out so that the crowd would clear and be distracted so they could make the getaway with their wives to get to their car and and, and dip. And the world series run Hosmer made the slide. Gordon hits the home run to avenge Hosmer's error at first. And you see him on the side of the field where he's digging down deep. So I ask nine one three five eight six seven six ten: is Hosmer the third best Royal in the history of the franchise. Now there's no like super big career numbers. But he was the leader in the locker room. He was a gold glove first baseman. He had big-time hits and big-time moments in the playoffs. He had the dash home and the slide that Duda couldn't connect with the Mets catcher. And then you saw it. Five years later, six years later, comes to town. Boston Red Sox, just freshly traded, worked out perfectly. And not only that did it work out perfectly, it worked out perfectly to see For himself, a firsthand view, those young kids clicking like they did in 2012, 2013, and just playing ball. They beat the snot out of the Red Sox yesterday. It wasn't even close. And the night before that, Prado hits a walk-off home run, Isbell hits a home run, and Melendez leaves leaves, leaves the game off with a home run. All three, future young guys. Three out of four from Boston. Back-to-back stands for Hosmer, and the kids are playing. It's an interesting chemistry for the Kansas City Royals, but building the perfect chemistry starts before the preseason.
0: Selling a little or a lot.
3: Back in on Sixteen Sports Radio, Dusty Lakers with you, Colin Settle with you, till nine o'clock. Okay, I'll stand corrected. A lot of Gordon is above Hosmer. That's fine. So it's George Brett, Salvador Perez, Alex Gordon, Eric Hosmer, and then what? Fill in the blank. Text line wins battle number 1 on August 8th, 2022. I give you Gordon. But man, a lot of people didn't like Gordon his first 5 years. Number 1 prospect in baseball sent down to the minors and then it was like a whole new life when he came back. Um also, I don't know why this is getting a lot of play. It came out earlier in the year. Colin, I don't I don't know if you're into this. Um but the Kerry Steele tweeted this out new barbecue Reese's sandwich at Royal stadium. It's been there since opening day. Not sure if anybody's tried it yet. If you have, please let me know on nine one three eight five eight six seven six ten. But it's uh Reese's peanut butter cups, pulled pork sandwich, sweet baby raised barbecue sauce and bacon on a bun. You getting down on that or no, is that too funky? I, I think it might take a year off my life. That's okay. One, yeah. Yeah. Well, sports radio is going to take seven years off your life every year you do it. But I find that a little, that's a little too much, right? Like, Chocolate and peanut butter with barbecue? I don't, I don't know. I do like Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce. What's your go-to barbecue sauce?
2: Oh, it's Sweet Baby Ray's.
3: Really? It's number one? Yeah. For okay. me, yeah. I'm, I'm a big Sweet Baby Ray's guy. I would say Gates Hot is my number one. I'm a big fan of that sauce. And then uh, Q39 has a really good like honey chipotle barbecue sauce or chipotle whatever it is. I don't know. It's like a sweet one. It goes really good with their uh, their meats. But I don't know about that. Reese's and barbecue Reese's peanut butter cups, pulled pork, sweet baby rays, barbecue sauce, and bacon all on a very nice bun. If that's your thing, that's just like everybody, everybody wants, uh, everybody wants barbecue in Kansas city. And then they just got to mess with it. Somebody put us a tweet. We just keep getting further and further from God's light. Um, But yeah. So Alex Gordon, probably number three. I'll give you that. I'll admit defeat. Just, I guess the only reason that I, I don't think about that is because Hosmer ne- or Gordon never played anywhere else. Um, so Gordon never got that, you know, welcome back to Kansas city. He did get to raise a flag this year on opening day. that just said home, uh, which was very, uh, I don't know. It was very somber just because at the time it was like snowing slash raining and like 37 degrees. And it was just like, I don't know, whatever, but Hosmer, but Gordon does have the best first pitch. Uh, Ever as he threw a dart from left field on his uh, return. But before we left mentioning chemistry, um, I think that's the the point of training camp, right? Like that's like what you want to have is that's what you want to find. Because then when it's, you know, October, November, and people are like, oh, where did this develop? And it's like, well, it developed in St. Joe. And I know a lot of you hear us talk about it all the time, like what's happening at Chiefs Camp. You listen to Pete Sweeney, you listen to Nate Taylor, you listen to Cody and Gold every day from 10 to 2 live at Chiefs Camp. Only radio station in Kansas City giving you that type of access. But it's nice. And I ran into this guy on Sunday. But it's nice when guys like James Palmer and Mariucci are out there and you get like outside sources because Palmer's been in Broncos camp for most of the summer. And you know, you get guys out there and they start talking about what they see at Chiefs camp.
2: It's interesting, Andrew. I mean, this is my first time at Chiefs camp, this uh, training camp, and I spend so much time around this team. When you get out here to say Joseph's, your eyes immediately go to, let's watch Tyree Kill work. Let's watch Travis Kelsey work. Let's watch the two of them work off of each other with Patrick Mahomes, and that's not the case. I'd say today in the team periods, the guy that stood out to me the most was Juju Smith-Schuster, and in talking to a couple of people after practice, Juju's really the one that's kind of separated himself a little bit, but it was interesting when I talked to a free agent acquisition position at safety and Justin Reed who's come in and Justin told me you know I think it's going to happen through camp maybe organically on who really starts to separate themselves in his mind he said Sky Moore who they drafted has been very impressive in his mind he said he has that dog mentality that physicality to him as well and I also bring in Marquez Valdez Scantling who I saw when that team period was going on it was mostly him and Juju Smith-Schuster on the field as their two receivers but they also have Nicole Hardeman, who I saw at the wildcat and they use him all over the field as a different aspect of this offense so a lot of different guys they use they're trying to find those pieces and it has the appearance that as camp goes on they're going to figure this out there's no fear of that but they're just going to kind of let it happen about who builds that chemistry with Patrick Mahomes
3: so obviously we look for chemistry when who's going to be the number one wide receiver and for the last couple of weekends that I've been out there it's it's been number nine that seems to steal the light from everybody else it seems that Juju Smith-Schuster is the guy that has a few routes that he's been using his whole career that now that he's, you know, planted them in the Chiefs offense or kind of used them to help his new routes in the Andy Reid offense and, and Patrick Mahomes' skill set, um, it seems that that is something that is, is going to work for this Chiefs offense, at least what we've seen so far. Now, I don't know and I don't think we're going to get the Juju Smith-Schuster of 2018 that had 111 receptions and 1,400 yards. And he did that with Antonio Brown, like peak Antonio Brown. But the one thing I will say that's a positive out of that is that Juju was still able to develop that when there was another target-hungry guy on his team. The number one guy on this offense is going to be Travis Kelsey. Like, he's just going to get the number one read most plays. He's going to get the most attention from Patrick Mahomes. Just You talk about chemistry, that's where that's at. Like That's where that originated was when those two first linked up. So you can't break that. But I wouldn't be mad if we got 2020 Juju Smith-Schuster, 2020 Juju Smith-Schuster had 128 targets, 97 receptions for 831 yards and nine touchdowns. Like I'm good with that. Like if Juju can give you that in this offense, you're going to be just fine. Now there's an extra game. So let's say that he were to play an extra game in 2020. Maybe he has 900 yards or 930 yards. You would take that from Juju Smith Schuster, right? That's what you're going to have to have if you want to have that type of explosion season. But again, I don't need the 2014 Juju Smith Schuster. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't need the 2018 Juju Smith Schuster. I would take it. I would take 111 for 14, 26, and seven and, and seven touchdowns, right? 67 first downs but 2020 Juju Smith-Schuster is just fine and that wasn't that long ago that was two seasons ago he put up 97 for 831 played 16 games if you put that into this Chiefs offense you don't even mention McCall Hardman, or as James Palmer called him McCall Hardeman you did not even mention that and I think what's interesting is that we're seeing that develop this early on. And I think a lot of people have forgotten Juju Smith-Schuster's skill set. And what we've talked about in the past is that everyone that joins this offense, your skill set goes up at least five points because of who is at quarterback. And the declining of Ben Roethlisberger mixed in with some injuries of Juju Smith-Schuster has created a decline in those numbers. The other part of that is that he said he hears a dog mentality in Skymore, and you don't need to go anywhere to know that I've been on the Skymore hype train. Day one. As Soon as I saw the thighs on Skymore, I was like, that guy's impressive. Just because he was wearing like four-inch shorts and he had tree trunks for legs. And then the way he was moving and catching footballs from a quarterback he'd never played for. But I think Sky Moore could put up some numbers. And here's why people will say that rookie wide receivers in an Andy Reid offense don't tend to really get out there much. And there was a stat out here earlier from a fantasy football site that said over under 700 and a half yards for Sky Moore. And I just took a bet with Pete Sweeney on Sunday $100, 550 yards for Sky Moore. Here's two rookie-wide receivers, the last two that I can remember, that are pretty solid in Andy Reid offense. Jeremy Macklin in 2014. 56 catches, 773 yards, four touchdowns. He started 15 games, and he played in 13. I'm sorry, he played in 15, started in 13. 56 receptions, 773, and four touchdowns for a rookie in Jeremy Macklin. He wasn't the only receiver on that team. Not the only decent receiver either. Tyreek Hill, the what? Second best wide receiver in football now? He was a rookie. And in his rookie season, 61 receptions, 583 yards, six touchdowns. So do we think that he's going to be 583, 773, or somewhere in between? But I think the 550 number should easily be crushed because rookie wide receivers in an Andy Reid offense have done good things. But here's the number one, number one difference in rookie wide receivers in an Andy Reid offense in the past compared to a rookie wide receiver in offense now, neither one of those guys were with Patrick Mahomes in their rookie season. Neither one. And like we said before, your numbers go up that much more when you have someone like Patrick Mahomes, at quarterback, who is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. So that seems why the chemistry that can be built can show that out in the regular season. Again, 773 on 56 for Jeremy Macklin as a rookie, 583 on 61 for Tyreek Hill as a rookie. Neither one. With Patrick Mahomes. The recipe is quite simple with Brett Beach, I believe. Find out what hurt you the most in the previous season address it in the draft and free agency and then actually see how well it works for the Kansas City Chiefs.
5: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
0: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
5: Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event where you can get great deals. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
3: Back in 610 Sports Radio, 6 to 9 p.m. That mustache on Travis Kelsey is something. I wish he would just keep it all year and just let it be like a new thing that he does. He won't. Guy grows great facial hair. By the way, Colin, you're getting crushed um, with your your barbecue sauce take, with your sweet baby rays. You've, You've let the people know you're not not from Kansas city. So you, you got to get out there. So that's where we, you find out how you get helped. I've, I've been in your situation. I've been kind of newish. You've been around here for quite a, for a little bit though, but like, been you know, you get, you get introduced to the text line pretty quickly and you gotta, you gotta start off with a bang. Cause if they hate you early, there's no coming back. But if you can get with them on the good side, kind of early, you can have fun and go back and forth. Right? So Sweet baby Ray's, I'm going to need your KC card back is one text from the, from the 785. Where does Colin Settle need to go for his first three barbecue visits? 913-586-7610. He asked me, he said, hey, man, like, you know, I'm from a small town in Kansas. I need to get some advice before I get crushed, which I think is fair. I had never had Gates' sweet and spicy or sweet and mild. Nine one three, dude. Goes great on barbecue, hamburger, perfect with french fries, steak cut, preferably. Great all-around sauce. Very detailed. That's what we need. That's what we need. So you've never had a Z-Man sandwich?
2: I have. That okay. was the one my dad told me to get. So that was the first uh, barbecue introduction that I had when I moved here two months ago. He's just like, go get a Z-Man, get everything with it. You'll be good to go.
3: And? It was great. Yeah. love the Z-Man. That was great. It's a good one. It's a good one to uh, to break your barbecue card on, right? Like, you get a Z-Man sandwich, you get the onion ring, you get all that type of stuff that gets all juiced in with it. Um, Q39's good, right? Jack Stack's good, obviously. You go there, you get, like, their uh, beans and their cheesy potatoes are pretty solid. Like, their cheesy potatoes will hit you harder than a, a Mike Tyson fist. Um, but it'll put you out. But that's kind of what you want with barbecue. You don't want to be wanting more. Um, when you eat it, a lot of guys on the chiefs defense, I feel eat a lot of barbecue. I'm not sure how, how nasty they get with it, but I know they're kind of a little nasty on the field is kind of what we teased with when I sat down and talked to Nick Bolton two weeks ago at camp. And then of course I said, there's a lot of different faces at chiefs camp this week as uh, camp breaks, August 18th. There's a lot of new faces on the defensive side, rookies and veterans. James Palmer had this report from
2: his version today at camp. Andrew, we know in this league, and specifically maybe in the AFC West, it's so important to have your pass rush work with your coverage, and they work with each other so well in this defense. Let's start with that pass rush. And you mentioned that had some pieces in the first round to help this group. There was George Karloftis out of Purdue. They add to that defensive front to be the guy to Russ opposite of Frank Clark. What they love about Karloftis right off the bat is they believe he is a sponge. He is asking everybody, texting Steve Spagnuolo at night about different things throughout training camp, just trying to learn as much as he can. But he's not going to come in here, I'm told, to just play. That's not your radio in your
3: car. That's just the NFL audio from this sound. I promise. I'm sorry.
2: Play every single snap opposite of Frank Clark. They'd like to rotate a lot of guys on this defensive line. They'd like Carlos Dunlop to contribute, who just came in. They have Mike Dana. We know how good Chris Jones is as one of the best interior pass rushers in all of football. And I mentioned Frank Clark a couple times. I walked off the practice field with him, almost didn't recognize him. He has transformed his body. He says he feels great, full of energy. They need him to play at a higher level. And then also in the front first round in the secondary they get cornerback Trent McDuffie who they're very pleased with a, an interesting chance to speak with with Brett Veach general manager after practice and he told me you know there are moments in individual periods or, or seven on seven where obviously he has a lapse a rookie moment and and he makes a mistake but he said the best part about Trent McDuffie is those don't happen during team periods he has just such a high IQ he's so instinctive that during team period we see him play his best football and that's very encouraging
3: so you hear reports like that, and he Carl Loftus, not Loftus, but you know he's new to the camp this year. Uh by the way, Colin Casey Experience, Gates and Bryants go there one and two, then go to Hottie Toddy. I've never been to that one, but uh it says if I spelled it right, but that's it for for that's it, and then Q thirty-nine. Um but you hear about guys like James Palmer to go in there and, and the reason we play that audio is because. It's you know it's a new face it's a new voice of, of of Chiefs camp which you hear our our takes but you know we live here that's what we want to try to give you that's the station we cover the team but also when you hear those guys have kind of the same takes that you have it's kind of interesting when you hear that because when I hear James Palmer say that someone who has no bias towards any team and I always try to tell you that I have you know zero bias towards. Whether or not the Chiefs are successful or unsuccessful or the guys, I'm just trying to give what I think is the honest take. And I'm telling you, I think this defense is gonna be a little nasty. I think they're gonna have a little bit of surprise factor to them that maybe you're you're not used to seeing with a Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense has been an interesting story the last three to four years, right? Bob Sutton's here, D Ford costs you a Super Bowl by being offsides against Tom Brady. Next year, you come back with spags, and you get Tyron Matthew. The defense seems to have a lockdown kind of a system. You win the Super Bowl. 2020, it's whatever, right? Like, it's a different type of year. That's the COVID season. And then last year, it's atrocious for the first six, seven weeks. And then Melvin Ingram comes along, and it's arguably the number one defense in the NFL for four straight weeks. They're not allowing any points. They're not allowing anybody to do anything. And then it kind of gets, you know, a little wishy washy towards the end of the uh, the end of the season. And then this year, Brett Veach did exactly what he did the year before. Right? In 2019, you lost the Super Bowl. Or I'm sorry, in 2020, you lose the Super Bowl to 2019, you won the Super Bowl. 2020, you lose the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Bucks. And the main focus on that was well, Patrick Mahomes didn't have any time in that Super Bowl game, and damn it be the day that ever happens again. Because I wonder if he would have just had a little bit of protection, what that outcome would have been. They get blown out in the Super Bowl. And they go draft Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, right? And they go get Joe Tooney. And they completely revamp that offensive line. And Creed Humphrey is a perennial pro bowler, all pro center. Trey Smith is the same, but as a right guard. You've then drafted guys at tackles, and you went and got Tooney and went and traded for Orlando Brown. Completely revamped Your your offensive line. It gels about week eight. And then the team goes on a what? Eight game win streak wins the AFC West again. And they're right back where they want to be in the AFC championship game. Defensive line, no pressure in the, in the postseason, Chris Jones, still zero postseason sacks. He had the quote today that he has more rings than sacks. But if you want a sack, I'll get you one this year. Well, please $26 million. You should be able to do that. But when you hear that type of, voice speak on players that he's seen for the first time and he sees it on day one. It's very true. You go out and draft a Trent McDuffie. You go out and draft a George Karloftis in the first round. You'll get a guy like Leo Chenault. You go get a guy like Cox that plays safety in the second round and the in the secondary that can be good. You go get a veteran like a Justin Reed. You've got a contract here in Juan Thornhill who has no Dan Sorensen and no Tyron Matthew to play above him. And you have a guy like Lajarius Sneed that can play that nickel corner slot. That can continuously be a shutdown corner in the league that's been pretty good since he's been a chief. And you can tell that this defense is building a core within themselves. And the last time this defense had a very solid core within themselves that I can remember, it was Justin Houston, Tom Bali, Eric Berry. Those guys were the gel of that defense. Now, this team has had Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. And now they have Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Justin Reed, Lejarius Sneed. You can tell they're a vibe. You can tell they're a group that wants to be the team that's like, oh, yeah, our offense is great. Everybody loves to talk about our offense. But let's talk about our defense. Nick Bolton, this is what he had to say.
6: I'm excited for everything uh, we got building forward, and um, we just want to bring it every single day. Uh, We've got a lot of young guys uh, trying to make a name for themselves, including Willie uh, Snead, all those guys trying to make a mark in, uh, on this league. And so I'm excited. Uh, we're passionate about what we do, and so uh, I'm enjoying where we're at. Yeah, Willie g That man, that's my guy. <laughs> uh, we knew each other fall back in high school days. And uh, so uh, we're just building every single day. Uh, we're trying to figure out how, we, how each other plays, how play to play on, by, uh, beside each other and stuff like that. And so – Every single day, we're just trying to get a little bit better with each other, uh, get more comfortable with each other, uh, trying to talk it, talk through stuff. And that, that goes with also Snead uh, being a nickel position. Uh, we play uh, side by side as well, so we're trying to fill each other out as well. How is the uh, the, the coming on to the team of Justin Reed? How does that
3: emerge? And like, I don't know, the locker room's not really started yet, but you guys are here in camp. Like, how does that presence of a of a veteran safety coming in replacing an other veteran safety that had a big voice?
6: How has his voice been so far with his teams this year? Oh yeah, he's been tremendous for us, man. Uh, coming in every single day, giving it his all. Um, we know every single day uh, what we're going to get out of Jay Reed, uh, the vocal guy. Uh, we going to get a setup in the back end along with Jawan and so uh, uh, those guys with there, are improving every single day. Uh, they came in uh, playing uh, side by side, not really having a position, just playing football, and so uh, kind of got to get defined more as the season goes along, and. Um, um, and those guys are just going to be around. Uh, very vocal guys, both of them, and so we're excited for both of them.
3: Yeah, guys, addition to this team, Carlos Dunlap. What do you know about Carlos? What does he bring to this nasty little defense that we
6: have? Yeah, I know. I, I watched Carlos Dunlap uh, at Seattle, um, and I've seen he's a, a long rangey pass rusher, uh, kind of like how he does on, on run fits and stuff like that. Um, I haven't really watched much of his tape um, ever since, since we signed him, but uh, I know a little bit of him from Seattle from last year, but I'm excited that we got him on here.
3: So I'm not saying that Carlos Dunlap and Orlando Brown are, or I'm sorry, Carlos Dunlap is not the type of addition that maybe an Orlando Brown is, right? Drafting young guys may not be like drafting Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, but doesn't it kind of feel like Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith are well beyond just their second year? Seems a little different, and it'll be a little bit crazy to see how much better Mahomes can be when you don't have a bad defense. Like, give Mahomes a good defense because guess what's going to happen? You give 15 the ball more often. You're probably going to score a little bit more and you're probably going to be a little bit more successful moving forward. So before us experts out there try to say the chargers, the Raiders and the Broncos are coming for the chiefs. And there's a chance that the chiefs don't win the AFC West. Let's remember the last few years under Brett Veach and what he's done to adjust situations for the next year. It's like a pool game. You don't worry about your current shot. You're worrying about your next shot. Brett Veach is always worried about his next shot. Baseball seems to give us a ray of hope every single Every other, I guess, three or four months. And then there's there's a lot of boredom. But then they find something that they maybe figured out. We get to that and we get back. sound you're hearing is something baseball is doing very well of and that is being fun baseball is never fun that is Mets reliever Diaz coming into the game for them closer right to shut it down went viral yesterday the camera shot is great it'll probably be on MLB the show I'm sure they'll figure out some way to like reincarnate that into the game like whenever you use that and it it gave me a a sense of one baseball player that used to come out like that which was mariano Rivera would come out to enter sandman um by metallica and it was kind of the same uh kind of the same sort of vibe kind of the same you know would would walk out everybody would kind of be you know focused and it kind of gave you that sense of this game is over 42 is walking in. All it's going to be is inside cutter fastballs and everybody's going to ground out or strike out or pop up because that's what Moe did. Greatest closer in baseball history. Then it also kind of makes you think like, well, is this kind of like, you know, wild thing from Major League? Like this kind of looks like, you know, Ricky Vaughn coming out of the bullpen. And the thing that's great about this is that right now, baseball is in the dog days. It's August. The season is just continually to, you know, stretch on. And, you know, there's not a whole lot to watch. There's not a whole lot to worry about. And you just kind of, you know, you're getting by. It's background noise. But when this happens in the playoffs, because the Mets will be a surefire playoff team, and they're going to be a pretty scary playoff team because they got a pitching staff that's just going to mow people down. And the thing is, this is going to sweep the world because this is cool. This is something that baseball gets. And when he comes out, it's interesting. If you go watch the video, just type in like Diaz Mets, and it'll be the first thing that comes up. The entire fan base is on their feet. They're all locked in. Now, again, there's a big key factor to this. The Mets are probably the best or the second best team in the NL. It's them or the Dodgers. Shocker. Uh, and in the AL, it's the Yankees. So baseball is continuing to win where they want to win. But nonetheless, this felt very Royal Rumble vibe. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with how the Royal Rumble works in the WWE, but every 30 seconds there's, or every minute, there's a new wrestler that gets introduced. Right? And it's 32 wrestlers. So one guy comes out. They play his intro music. Guy number one. And then it waits 60 seconds. And then they count down. Boom. And they get to one. And then it's a pause. And then it's a bed of music. And it makes the crowd pop. And that's something that I think baseball can make cool again. If they can do something like that. If they can get, you know, videos like this. Get players to be more comfortable at doing stuff like this. Now, this is kind of a different type of thing because this is a, a I don't know. Not everybody can pull off that music. Like that music came out and the trumpets played and the, the drums start off. So it's very kind of heroic, but baseball has done stuff like this that has gotten the attention of the fan base around the sport. And then they just disappear from it. Like they run away from it. And I don't know why it's like when baseball finds out they've done something fun and cool. It's like, don't do that anymore. And the last thing that I can say that they've done that has gotten the fan base talking or has gotten sports people to think this is interesting. How can we do this more often? And again, I know that walkout music has always been there, but it hasn't. Like normally, when you go to a Royals game, if you get there early and the and the pitchers are you know get the, the whoever the home pitcher is and they're getting ready to start the game, that music you hear that's the music that they have asked to to be played while they do their pregame warm up before they they hold up the number one sign and say, okay, you can throw it down after this. The music you hear while the pitcher is doing his warm-up on the mound before the game starts, they choose that music. Now, I think they could have a different way of of presenting that, but the last time that baseball has done something that's interesting that I don't think that they're exploiting enough is the in-game interviews with live players mic'd up. Right? Like this past weekend, somebody was like in the middle of talking about SpongeBob SquarePants, and then had to run over to the foul territory to make a play. Earlier in the year, Mookie Betts is miked up, and he makes like a diving snag in center field for the Dodgers. I remember a couple of years ago, they had players miked up in the All-Star game, and one of them was Bryce Harper, and he was just kind of giving us insight of what they do, how they position themselves out in the outfield, and you just kind of seem more in- entertained by that. Baseball is not the most electrifying sport, right? Like, it's nine innings in the summer. One guy throws to another guy, and then you're just waiting for something to develop. But the one thing I can say is that, like, I just don't want baseball to give up on something like this. And this is something that the Mets have been doing all year, but it's August 8th, and we're really I guess it was August 7th, and we're just now really figuring out about this. Like, how have we not publicized this enough? Why are we not leading with more fun stuff with baseball? Because like everything else, it's a copycat system. Like maybe Scott Barlow sees that and he wants some other song to play. We need more live interviews. Baseball's market can help. But if they can continue to move forward with this type of fun, baseball can be interesting. Like what was it a couple years ago? There was a guy that played in a song that he came up to was like Baby Shark. And the entire crowd just loved it. I'm not saying to have like a a kid's theme song to be a ba- you know, to do that, but do something unique, get behind the idea of having fun, do it from a team standpoint, do it from a league standpoint, but get it going more often than not. One thing that's not fun is when former players leave your team and then they try to come back, but it's not them seeking to come back. It's people saying, well, why not bring them back? Uh, it's time to put the Kareem hunt talks to bed.